0: Are back with the STRE podcast. How are you? Me? How are you? I'm great. Richard
1: Furtig. You know why I'm great? Why are you great? Because it snowed something like 11 (laughs) feet in the last 14 (laughs) days here in Jackson Hole. Uh And as much as I love and adore being on the podcast (laughs) with you and with Charles filming us behind the scenes and all this and that, Uh I love the fact that I've designed my life such that I can go out, catch a couple of tram laps in the morning, get my cardio, get my breathing, the outdoors, the wilderness, the beauty, the steepest, most extreme skiing. Right. Done in just a couple of quick hours and get on with my life and be productive and back here recording the podcast. So I'm great. How are you? Yeah,
0: no, you, you came home a changed man.
1: I'm telling you, there's (laughs) something about, you know, pushing yourself and uh, extreme skiing for me anyway, but people find it in all sorts of activities. It could be gardening, it could be jogging, it doesn't really matter. But, um, you know, the message that I want to share with the audience right now is just make sure that you know what really lights you up and gets you excited and prioritize it and carve it out. And I'm sure that Charles was a little bit kind of like, oh no, he's gonna go skiing. And you were kind (laughs) of like, oh no you know, the exact opposite. Like, right. This was the reason that I'm here. It's a seasonal activity. I only have a certain number of days to do it. The gods have smiled on us and dumped insane amounts of snow, record-breaking snow, the most snow th- ever in January in Jackson Hole, which is one of the best places to ski ever. Right. And, you know, in my own mind, so much of this is the mindset. I would have felt like I was missing out or I was being deprived or I wasn't taking advantage or whatever the right words are. Mm-hmm. And just going out even for 90 minutes or two hours, whatever I did, got the cardio flowing. I felt like I was in the right place, and this is what I'm supposed to be doing, and now I'm just thrilled to be here on the podcast. Well, I am
0: going to correct you on something that you said. Actually, Charles is very celebratory about you going out this morning. Good. He knew that that was the right call and the right thing to do for you. See, friends. And he knew that you were going to come back and just be ready to rock and roll.
1: I'm more ready than I've ever been. <laughs> and for those of you who don't know, my last name is Fertig, which in German <laughs> apparently means either ready or finished. It depends on how you use it. Got I it. like to think that I'm ready. And so Richard Fertig, I'm ready to go. And Not so Charles finished. is 100% correct. Right. But I'm just saying, you know, um, we have limited time together with Charles and videos and so on. And so I would imagine that uh, we want to prioritize being productive and so on. But to Charles's credit, and thank you for pointing it out, you know, sometimes being productive means carving out time for yourself so that you can actually execute with a clear mind and be more productive when you're actually sitting down. So anyway, enough about the skiing. For those of you that ski, you know what I'm talking about. For those of you who don't, you really ought to start, like, (laughs) pronto tomorrow. (laughs) But uh, it was a great morning. How was your morning? Were you productive?
0: I was very productive, yeah, no, I had a great morning and um you know I can really I can really appreciate what it is that you know you're you're speaking to right now um very differently I um well this week, a couple of nights of the week I've gone out and I've been um learning how to be a mega former instructor
1: okay so. I want to celebrate all that, but before we celebrate all of that, I don't even know what megaformer is, (laughs) and I doubt most of the audience knows what megaformer is, and what I've been sort of saying, like when Charles is like, where's Erica? I say she's doing this megaformer, and the way that I describe it, the best that I can imagine, Mm -hmm. is I say it's kind of like Pilates with a different type of machine, and it might be more body sculpting oriented than Pilates but that's all made up so that's totally correct oh well there you go
0: absolutely it's definitely body strengthening um and it is very much like a uh, Pilates machine um and in fact in some Pilates studios they have megaformers um but I have just really found that it is it's a type of exercise that my body is built for and um I really really enjoy it and um So, I mean, I don't know that I'll do anything with it. I don't know that I'll become an instructor. But what's really cool about participating in these classes is that it also really um, dials in how I show up as a student.
1: Right. And also, um, you know, I'm proud of you for doing it because you did it knowing that you may not be an instructor, but still wanting to advance your knowledge and your education and your form and also go have a couple of three hour plus workouts and right. when you came home you were completely lit up and you said your muscles were like <laughs> on shaking fire and yeah and, you know yeah. stressed and all that and totally
0: so, and today i'm sore and doesn't it's that been feel a great <laughs> though like <laughs> as much really as it like does. hurts doesn't it, feel it really great? does
1: and so the thing about you know i guess the the commonality of what we're discussing is the importance of uh physical exercise and being in your zone in addition to um you know eating well and taking care of ourselves just I think the human body is in meant to be pushed and and uh stressed and right tested and you know exercised and we're not meant to be sedentary and sitting behind a desk for 40 60 right. 80 hours a week right like that's just not I don't think that that's ultimately healthy for us and uh, and we've all heard about the sort of the runner's high, right? So there's this concept that when you do exercise, you get to this higher level Um, and it's not unique to running, but I think we're both expressing how we're in peak state, largely because of the exercise experience and the physicality of the things that we're doing and being outdoors and, you know, we're in a great relationship and Charles is here and everything is really wonderful firing on all cylinders. But what we're talking about is going to that extra level and it comes from Physical exercise and being outdoors, and um.
0: well, there's a number of times that I've spoken to exercise really being my sanity, um, and I think that there's something really true about finding the right exercise at the right place with you know surround like finding your tribe, right? But what I one of the things that I think you'll really appreciate and that I really um, love and kind of acknowledge about this. This exercise, I should say, is that it's all about like grace as, op- as opposed to force. Hmm. And in numerous elements in my life, I'm trying to instill grace versus force. Um, and so many t- times I think in the past I've affiliated um, growing my strength by forcing myself or forcing my body to do things that, you know, it, it is far from graceful. And yet I can be strong. And still be graceful. And um, I think that that's applicable to, to many things. And and it might be why I so closely identify with this method of, of exercise. Well, I think
1: that's, used to, as you indicated, it, you think it's true in many forms. And it's completely true, right? So, like, right. in skiing, um, it's all about form and grace and fluidity and, you know, like, just being... Um, I don't know, fluid and dynamic as opposed to muscling through. Uh, that said, it's obviously very physical and so right. on. But, but um, you know, if you were approaching it with a rhinoceros, like charging mm-hmm. down the mountain thing, that's right. not going to end well, <laughs> right? right? And, and conversely, if you were approaching it as like a ballerina and you're just going to like dance through to the bottom, it's going to be better, mm-hmm. right? And so that grace element, and that's something that... um As you know, Eric, and I think many of the listeners have heard me say over time, that's an element that I'm working on tremendously, is sort of uh, faith and grace, uh, growing my spirituality and being, you know, I'm a very uh, type A finance, Wharton MBA, hedge fund manager, so there's a lot of math that goes on in my mind. But at the end of the day that doesn't necessarily explain everything and in fact in many ways those explanations can be wrong and just having full faith and confidence that we are where we're meant to be and this is all part of the journey and it's uh, okay has been really helpful for me right Mm -hmm. to just like stop and breathe and appreciate where we are and even though we may not have achieved what it is that we want to achieve like. Love ourselves and give ourselves that space to get there, as opposed to just like muscling through and being angry or being upset or feeling like I I deserve this or I expect this or right. I'm entitled to this. Right. That's all extremely negative and can lead to anger, resentment, jealousy, and things that uh, don't add any real value to an individual or to a community. So right. working very hard towards that, and you've been instrumental in all that. You know, Thank like that's you. your that's your thing. <laughs> So thank I you. I
0: love that. I hope so. Um, what a phenomenal compliment. Thank you.
1: My pleasure. Thank you. So we've both had a uh, tremendous evening last night yes. with you at Megaformer and today uh, skiing for me. Yeah. Um, what else is going on?
0: Well, let's see. Um, in Airbnb news, I read a really interesting article. <laughs> Love to get your thoughts on this. Uh, Airbnb News, um, there was an article that just came out about, um, basically, a guest was highly criticized by a host because he didn't shower before going to bed. So basically, he had been uh, traveling all day. He had been on a super long flight, and she was... um, she was an Airbnb host. I guess he was the first, it was the first time he had ever, um, been a guest as an Airbnb, uh, or of Airbnb. And so his first experience was he rented a, um, or he secured a room and there were, and she was basically in kind of the neighboring room, um, with, you know, her roommate while he was in her bed. And, um, she greeted him, you know, kind of gave him the lay of the land. He went to bed and then she woke up to a note under the door saying um, how much she didn't appreciate the fact that he hadn't showered prior to going to bed and that she, and then had said, you know, that she would she was going to consider reporting him to Airbnb. And <laughs> that was it. <laughs> That was his introduction to Airbnb. And, you know, and so basically it was, I think, posted on social media and a number of the people kind of, a number of people kind of responded and said that the host was out of line. Um, and that that's, you know, that there's absolutely no way that there's any way to kind of regulate or mandate that or, you know, anything like, anything like that. And, um, so I just I found it slightly comical slightly interesting you know I think that and it just kind of goes to show that (laughs) things can be taken to to any extreme I guess (laughs) but um yeah that's kind of the that's the hot Airbnb news right now.
1: <laughs> wow. Well, so, I mean, I think that this hostess should do what it is that we've installed at all of our Airbnbs, which is sort of like the drive-through car wash. As, <laughs> as people enter any of our Airbnbs, we have, like, the, the water pouring over their head and the suds and then the brushes spinning. And we clean them thoroughly. We disinfect <laughs> them. and then. Right. Then we give them the coat to enter the Airbnb. Unless they're
0: in the Outer Banks, in which case we just take a a fire hose to them. Right. (laughs) Exactly.
1: We just, like, scrub them down. (laughs) Um, Well, look, I would say the following – you know, once you rent your room or your house or anything to an individual, you've had your chance to vet them uh, beforehand. And if you haven't seen any flags or concerns, and like you said, this was the first time this person had ever used the platform. So it's a really unfortunate uh, way to welcome somebody to the platform. Right. Um, but, you know, like you have to allow them quiet enjoyment of your space, whatever that means. You can't dictate, you know, whether they shower or they don't shower, that what time they go to bed or whatever, as long as they're, you know, respecting your house rules, meaning like you can say no parties, you can say no smoking, you can say no pets, but you can't say no eating after midnight. No, (laughs) um, you know, you must shower. All those things are just kind of ridiculous. And so based on the facts that you've just shared with me and that's all I really know, um, I think that the hostess sounds like she was completely out of line. And my guess is that hostess is no longer operating any Airbnb, not because Airbnb banned her, but because she was misguided and didn't enjoy it and had problems. And so she sweat the small stuff. Charles and I just filmed right. a video uh, just yesterday encouraging hosts to focus on the big picture and not sweat the small stuff. Right. Because if you sweat the small stuff, you will quit. There's too much small stuff and it can get too much uh, anxiety and then you start to worry about, am I making enough money and what's this all worth? And at the end of the day, um, you know, like it could be a deal breaker for her and then that's that's her personal thing. But she's probably not meant to be a hostess or it could just be she's focused on the wrong stuff. She wants everything to go perfectly. And so she's driving herself insane. Uh, And also this other person, and now the social media, now this podcast, right? Like, it's growing. (laughs) But largely, I think, because her, um, her approach to this is just so unfounded and not friendly or hospitable or anything like that. I mean, I know uh you and i have traveled all over the world and we've taken many planes and red eyes and time changes and so on and so forth and you know to be perfectly honest half the time i really do want to shower and just like get clean and then go to sleep and the other half the time i'm super exhausted and like you couldn't get me to shower like brushing my teeth is a struggle and i don't know what time it is and i just want to pass out and but in either scenario i'm neither respecting or disrespecting my host or the hotel anymore like, it doesn't even factor in. It's not about them. It's about me. Right. And that was the other video that we filmed just yesterday, Charles. We, It was about, you know, when you are a host, it's no longer about you. It's now you empathizing and putting yourself in the shoes of the guests and creating a wonderful guest experience. And so, you know, rather than be... Uh, you know, kind of alarmed that this individual didn't shower, she maybe could have gone on another route and said, you know, I'm really sure you're exhausted and I made you a cup of tea or whatever. Here's a right. cookie. Get a great night's sleep and I'll catch you in the morning. And, you know, would have been a totally different outcome, both for the guest and also for the hostess. Right. She probably would have had a more pleasant, positive experience and likely would continue to host as opposed to this may well have been the last, you know, the whatever it is, the the final shoe to drop that just Straw caused break me to the say, camel's back, right? "Yeah, like you know what? I'm not hosting anymore. This is this is too much. This individual didn't shower and got into my clean sheets, and that's disgusting. And I'm done. Doesn't sound like she's cut out for this,
0: right? Right. Well, and here's hoping that she cleaned her sheets after.
1: Well, I'm pretty sure she did. If she was that right. alarmed, <laughs> right?
0: I mean, but that's, but I think she probably would have done that regardless, right? Of course. So.
1: And that's what I'm saying. Don't sweat the small stuff.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Right.
1: So like if cleaning the sheets is something you're doing anyway, then unless something bad is happening in the sheets, like they're lighting them on fire, they're (laughs) spilling red wine or something that's like abusive. Right. Then you can't worry about it. You can't even think about it. Right. Right. Um, You have to trust. And I trust that this individual based on what you've told me, had all good proper intentions right. and was just a tired traveler.
0: Right, and hopefully he has given Airbnb another shot.
1: Well, I think he has a better shot of having stayed on the Airbnb platform than this hostess having stayed. Right, right, and that's ultimately what happens in in disruptive technologies and in new approaches to anything that we do. It's sort of the survival of the fittest. Sure. So, like this guy who didn't shower probably is like. Well, she's a wacko and like right. life goes on. But every other host right. or hostess is going to be more normal. Whereas this woman is kind of like making generalizations and saying, gee, all the people that stay at Airbnbs are, you know, like dirty and, and traveling and not respectful. Right. Like she probably has a greater likelihood of generalizing that and blowing it out of proportion than he right. does. Although he did post it on social media to just like, I guess, embarrass her or tell a story or. Warn other people that like there's some and, and I know, don't even there's actually, crazy hosts and hostesses all over. Totally. The place, right? And people I actually cameras don't cameras and stuff.
0: Totally. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um And, you know, that's it's unfortunate. I think the intention was actually for him to gain information as to whether or not this is normal. Right. Or if he'd broken yeah. some kind of protocol or so on and so forth. So,
1: um, But that's why I feel really good about our like washing machines outside that they go in and all the suds come out right. and then the brushes. We got to replace the brushes. I think they've been worn a lot. <laughs> Let's see if he can't <laughs> get you know, some, I don't know, some like pesticides dropped into and just really scrubbed Absolutely. people down. And Absolutely. the fire hose is great. Yeah. No, that's good how plan. funny. Good plan. How funny. Yeah. Um.
0: Okay. Awesome. Well, um, on a more serious note, how about we kind of switch directions and um, take a question from somebody that it. called in. Here we go. Hi. Hi, Richard and Erica. This is Nene. I'm calling to see uh, if you guys can talk a little bit more about diversification. I uh, truly enjoy that concept of you know having different properties everywhere. But Lately, I've been seeing where um, uh, people try to have uh, properties around the same regional area, so that way you can make good use of, say, housekeeping. Or, um, I guess, um, if we can talk more about location di- diversification and also not diversifying with location, but benefiting from, um, I guess, your uh, the people that are working for you um, on on ground. Um, maybe diversifying with different types of properties. Just a little bit more. Um, I was just curious about that. I'm really excited about the podcast, and if I have more questions, I will call. Bye.
1: Cool. So Nene is asking about diversification and why to do it, and then also weighing that with um, the pros and cons of having, you know, your infrastructure set up in your current location and contemplating expanding that with additional properties locally. And so the first thing I want to do is shout out Nene. Nene, what's up, girlfriend? Hey! Miss you. We saw her in Miami. <laughs> and so like, that was awesome. Met I her, know. Met her husband and her child. Yep. And so thank you, Nene. Yeah. Um, and thanks for calling in. We really appreciate it. Um, what I would say is the following... Diversification is important in all walks of life. In everything that we do, it's really important to diversify um, because it, one, it grows you, two, it protects you, three, it can um, save you from blindsided, random circumstances. And so Um, I'm going to put this in a variety of different terms and then ultimately get back to the short-term rental market. But, you know, uh, diversification is important in everything it is that we do. So Nene, I know, is um, working out and on a fitness regime and so on and so forth. And I also follow her on Facebook. And so I know that she has certain days that are leg days and other days that she does, you know, cardio. And other days she does lifting. And I see what she's doing. And that's diversification. Mm-hmm. Right. She's not just doing the same exercise every single day. Mm-hmm. She's treating different body parts and she's doing cardio and strength training and alternating all of that in, in the food that we consume. Uh, there's five major food groups and we want to have exposure to all of them, vegetables and grains and meat and lean protein and so on and so forth. Right. Um, it's it's discouraged to just eat like any one thing. Like the right. only thing I eat is whole wheat bread right like that's just not healthy right um and so if we just like step it back for a little bit and and talk about humanity and what it is that we do and what we're supposed to do you'll realize that in almost everything that you do you've got diversification except what i would say when it comes to short-term rentals and airbnb and so on uh that seems like a big risky thing the diversification seems like the risk because of the proximity to your home and your other investments and your cleaning crew. So that proximity creates comfort. Mm -hmm. And because you know it and you're close to it and it's working well, you disassociate any risk from it. In fact, it seems comfortable. Mm -hmm. I will also say in multiple of my one-on-one calls that I've had this month and in some of the mastermind uh, communication and so on with people that, you know, I'm getting to know them Mm -hmm. as individuals, um, it turns out that in the proximity non-diversified scaling of short-term rentals it's almost like a a fact and i'm going to start to think about this a little bit more and start to postulate a theory but listen to this uh listeners and tell me if this sounds true to you in most instances i find that people do the best on their first airbnb and then they have so much success that they scale and they get to the second and or their third or fourth and they do what's natural to them because it seems less risky so they get something that's close and they do exactly what nene suggested they use the same cleaning team and they've got the same providers and so it's like really easy and comfortable and you know i would just stretch that all the way to uh at the far end of the spectrum one might even say it's lazy right like it's the path of least resistance. It's really easy. And so if you start to think about it from less a convenience thing and more of like a lazy thing, it no longer sounds so good. But the findings are people seem to be most successful on their first Airbnb. Mm -hmm. And then the second one is less successful than the first. And then the third one is less successful than the first or the second. Mm -hmm. And so what that means to me is, not only are people getting complacent and or lazy and or just like following the path of least resistance, they're not necessarily doing their homework on the second or the third or the fourth in their location. Mm -hmm. It's just sort of like assumed, well, I did it the first time, so the second time will work and the third time. And that's just not uh, a smart way to run any business, right? And so instead, I'm going to suggest that we embrace diversification, we recognize that it's uh, safer, more sound, uh, better for the longer term, and might be a little bit more work initially, mm-hmm. right? Like in finding it, in getting it set up, in finding that cleaning team and all that infrastructure. But that has a much greater likelihood, in my opinion, of having that really long runway. You know, think of your mortgage on a real estate holding is 30 years. So for 30 years, would I rather have all of my 30-year investments in a concentrated area Mm -hmm. or would I rather have a more diversified, geographically diversified portfolio of investments for 30 years. And you don't have to be a rocket scientist or have an MBA to understand the concept that that concentration is called a risk. In finance it's called concentration risk. It's not called concentration benefit. It's not called concentration gain. It's not called the positive effects of concentration. Concentration is always followed by one word. It starts with an R, it ends with a K, and it's risk. Mm -hmm. So I'm not teaching you anything that you don't necessarily understand. I'm just applying it to the short-term rental market because I see really successful hosts and entrepreneurs do really well And then make a classic mistake, which is to repeat what worked well before, think it's not risky. And all I want to introduce into the conversation is if that's the home that you want and that's the location you want and you've done your homework and you're not being lazy and you're not being complacent and you want the concentration risk, go for it. Right. But if you think you're doing something intelligent and there's no risk because you know that it worked across the street, I'm here to advise you that you should re-examine that like, theory. And it's a personal preference. So let me right. just give another example because um, I don't want anybody to think that concentration is in and of itself a bad thing. Um, I've held and I continue to hold very concentrated positions in things that I have really high conviction about. But I don't have concentrated positions and things that I don't have a view on, and it's just like out of convenience. So I've had for the longest time an extremely overweight position in Apple for decades, you know, but I've made 10x my, you know, initial investment or more, maybe 12 or 15 times my initial investment. And so for diversification, once it runs up, I start to scale back. In fact, I sold a portion of my shares, maybe 25% of my shares just today at $315. And like I said, my cost basis is in the 20s. So I'm running a very concentrated position, letting my winners run, but I have a vision as to why I'm doing that. Mm -hmm. And then in order to be like prudent and manage my risk and my exposure, When I see levels and extraordinary things happen in the market, I'm going to pair that back. And so that's what I did today. I just pruned my position because I think that the run up to 315, while I'm thrilled about it make no mistake about it, it's just smart to lock in some of the gains and then diversify. Right. So in short and then i know you've got a question (laughs) so the people that are watching you know like i'm aware of what she's she's ready i i just want to say that uh the benefits of geographic diversification are for the unexpected things that none of us can see or understand or comprehend but yet we all know are possible and they include all sorts of natural disaster whether it's um, forest fire earthquake hurricane tornado hailstorm. i mean Anywhere we live, uh, especially in this, you know, potential global warming environment, there's more and more natural disasters. And natural disasters, the thing about them is they don't often tell us when to get out. Right. You sort of wake up one day and they're upon us. Right. And so if you had all of your eggs in any one basket, you could wake up the next morning and all those eggs are cracked because some natural disaster happened. Like our friend Alan, thankfully, he um, was fine but in those forest fires in california earlier uh, this summer you know there was forced evacuations and everybody had to leave and tons of damage and it felt terrible and you know like i felt for him you felt for him he felt for himself our Mm -hmm. other attendees that were at the nashville event that knew him Mm -hmm. um, we were all praying for him and his business right Mm -hmm. Uh, he had multiple locations Mm -hmm. and there's a gentleman who came to nashville with the intent and design to diversify his portfolio so that he wouldn't have all his eggs in one basket and he's actively taking profits from really prudent investments in the in the state of california and now diversifying reinvesting in other states with different natural disasters and different socioeconomic trends and patterns. And I think that that's really intelligent because if I was going to bet on somebody and their success, would I bet on like the person that had a really concentrated portfolio that what worked in the past is going to work in the future and 30 years forward, those would still be the best locations for investments or would I bet on somebody that had a more diversified portfolio, um, that had diversified against different types of natural disaster risk, different socioeconomic conditions, different seasonality and cyclicality. And just like we talked about earlier, I think it's much more likely that the second person is in business 30 years from now, really successful in short term rentals and on Airbnb, similar to the guest likely returning to Airbnb after that bad incident. I think the person who's really concentrated has a much more likelihood of having success until it stops and then quitting kind of like the hostess who had these unreasonable expectations is more likely to quit too. So diversification is really important. It's not something that I've made up. It's the way that I've managed portfolios. It's the way any institutional money manager, real estate investor, anybody who, um, you know, understands risk uh, would manage anything. And, you know, one of the things that I told Charles last night is we're going to start discussing risk more because I'm a little bit concerned that um, a lot of people are listening to all the get rich quick aspects of Airbnb and how much money they can make and how easy it is. And you can get started with no money down and like just do this and do that and take this course and it's easy. And, you know, there's pain ahead. Mm -hmm. I don't wish it on anybody. In fact, I'd like to warn people and we're going to use our influence on YouTube and on the podcast. And we're going to start talking about not reward, but risk. So thank you, Nene. Erica, you've been (laughs) dying to ask me some questions. What are they?
0: No, I mean, I think actually very specifically to what Nene was asking as well, as far as utilizing the same person, you know, basically getting, you know, a number of different units within, you know, a similar zip code. And then utilizing the team to, you know, help and, you know, like have the same housekeeping company or the same housekeeper cleaning all four or five of your units and the same handyman and the same, um, you know, pool company and so on and so forth. Um, what I would say is if if Sarah is cleaning all five of your units and Sarah decides to retire or Sarah decides to yeah. move. I mean, then not only are you trying to find somebody to clean unit one, but you're looking for some, you're looking to replace Sarah to clean five units, not just one. And I will say that um, what's awesome and what we've done the way that we've structured our business here in Jackson is we have you know our upstairs unit that we Airbnb and we have our downstairs unit that we Airbnb we're so diversified that we have different housekeepers for each of those two units and what's awesome is if Daisy can't clean our top unit we have um, Lupe that cleans the bottom unit and she can cover for Daisy or vice versa. Um, So if Daisy, you know, has to take her son to a doctor's appointment or if she's sick or goes on vacation or retires, we have
1: redundancy, right?
0: Or lack of,
1: no, well, we have redundancy. We have backups, right? Right. So, so we've built in redundancy, but see, that's the very uh, point that I'm encouraging the hosts to, to do and, and it's funny we filmed the video about this yesterday too to treat it like a business right it's no longer a hobby it's no longer get rich quick easy it's no longer well the place opened up next door and so like i guess i'll do it like do the analysis, do the math, make sure the numbers work, treat it like a business. And then right. also in any bu- business, um, we're going to encourage redundancy, right? Like what's, what do you do with your files? How do you back them up? What happens if the internet line goes down? Do you have a backup DSL? People think about all of these things in businesses. And yet because Airbnb starts with hosts generally renting out like their home, they don't think of it as a business. It's just sort of like a side gig or wow, this is really some nice, good spare money. but. The fact of the matter is, friends, whether you realize it or not, it is, in fact, a business, mm-hmm. and it's becoming a more competitive business. And if you're not doing this, your competitors are doing this. And so now you are competing with people who are treating it as a business. And so it's time to wisen up and like treat right. it like a business. Right.
0: Well, it's only easier until it's not, right? And the thing is is I think that that should be the case with anyone. So even if we only had one property here in Jackson, the We Airbnb, we should always have the backup housekeeping company, the backup, you know, handyman, the backup um, pool cleaner, just because you never know. And heaven forbid, if there was, for example, a huge storm that came in and we needed somebody to, you know, to call and go um, and a plumber, for right. example. If there's a huge storm and there's multiple issues that are going on in multiple homes uh, within this small community, like you're going to want to have multiple plumbers that you can call um, in case Joe, the first one is already called out.
1: Exactly. And I just want to clarify one thing about um, our cleaning situation here in in Jackson. Um, Erica gave a few examples of how we feel comfortable and confident if lupe called out sick or if somebody had to take Mm -hmm. a kid to um, the doctor's office or whatever Mm -hmm. those are just examples like that actually hasn't happened and we don't you know approve or condone that that's not the way we run our business we run our business that we expect them to always be here on time but we also have the peace of mind and the clarity that should something come up we can make the exception and we can be gracious and allow them you know to not (laughs) feel terrible about taking their child but That's because we've got the built-in redundancy and, um, you know, you mentioned that we have the two units here in Jackson Hole. Mm -hmm. Uh, We also have two investment units over at the Snake River Sporting Club. Mm -hmm. And for diversification, again, it was a concentrated risk. I got here to Jackson. I saw some great opportunity. So I put a calculated amount of money to work because I understood certain um, opportunities and I wanted to take advantage of them. But now that those opportunities have been realized, you know, I've been looking (laughs) to scale out and to exit. One or two of them, not not my primary home, we're not right. going to change where we live, right. but the pure investment units, you know, um, they're up, I don't know, 50, 60, 80 percent more. And sometimes you have to take some chips off the table and right. reallocate them somewhere else. And so even when I take a concentrated position, once it does what it's supposed to do, I'll start to exit and find another opportunity. Um, And I'll use another example, the Outer Banks of North Carolina where I'm doing Project OBX. Uh, I'm currently, I believe, the single largest landowner of waterfront property down there. But when I say I am, I mean, myself and my investors, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Because the risk, because the opportunity was so great Mm -hmm. and I wanted to take advantage of the entire opportunity, Mm -hmm. but it would have been way too much exposure to me personally, to any one development, to any one risk. It's a hurricane zone. Um, I decided for the first time ever to go out and actually find investors and partners with me so that we could take advantage of the opportunity size but it wouldn't overwhelm, you know. Like I'm, I'm not betting my entire life and savings and earnings and my kids' future, mm-hmm. on there not being a hurricane there. But I am willing to invest significant, you know, s- seven figures plus personally, in that area. Just not eight figures. Right. Right. So like we went out and found outside partners to take advantage of it.
0: Right. So May it's something I give I another strongly. Example? Yeah. Please. New York.
1: What about New York? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I mean, that, I think, was a very concentrated investment. And now you're looking to diversify and kind of, you know, um, invest in maybe not even, you know, one different area or one area outside of New York, but multiple.
1: Yeah. So um, that that's a great point. There's a little bit of a caveat here, and it's a really good uh, point to bring up on the podcast, which is... Um, I have had the honor and the privilege of living in a uh, landmark townhouse in New York City uh, since 2007. Did a ton of work and renovated it. And it's an absolutely magnificent property. I mean, historic. We've had unbelievable guests stay there. um, And it's just a, you know, it was an honor and a privilege to be uh, allowed to take care of that for the years and to renovate it and so on. And I'm getting a little emotional. But... um, That was a concentrated position because it was for our personal enjoyment, right? Like my family lived there. Mm -hmm. So that's very different than just a position. I would never have that large a position as a purely single investment. Mm -hmm. I would have diversified then. But when it's your personal property and you're living there and enjoying it on a daily basis, um, you know, that's a little bit different. Uh, But, you know, live and die by the sword the New York City market is down maybe 20 to 30 percent. So a really outsized position for my portfolio is also bringing my portfolio down significantly. And um, hopefully in the next few weeks or months, we will be exiting that position entirely, which I'm really excited about. It'll be uh, the end of a, a chapter and a, a you know very happy story. Um, And my intention and my goal, and I've been working actively towards that right now, is to take those proceeds and then diversify them like a lot, right? So instead of having one really big position, um, we, my ex-wife and I will go out and invest in probably 10 or 12 places as opposed to one. And even she, um, who's not a a finance person, she's a doctor, You know, if we start doing triple net leases, she may want some CVSs in Florida and some in California and some in Texas. And so, like, even she understands that she wouldn't want all of her reinvestment in any one location, you want to diversify and right. so i think it just makes a little bit more sense it is a little bit harder uh you do have to get a little bit more out of your comfort zone Nay, nay. you can't continue to use you know the exact same cleaners and plumbers and so on and so forth but believe you me that's growth right, right. when you go into a new investment area and you create or recreate the success that you had then you know you can do it time and time again right right and then all of a sudden The global playing field is open for you and what Charles and I have been um, saying and working on and and so on. is like it's all there's probably nobody listening to this podcast or recording this podcast or filming this podcast that lives in the single best place to invest. We happen to live there because that's where our job is or that's where we were raised or that's where you know the good schools are for our kids or that. But we didn't pick this location to be the best short-term rental on the planet. In right. fact, we just launched the short-term rental with what we had. And then it might be a mistake to continue to expand in that location without taking a look around at the rest of the world. So like the analogy that I'd like to give there is, imagine if um, you live in... I guess Armonk, New York is a good example. Um, You live in Armonk, New York, and you want to invest in the stock market. And the local company in Armonk, New York is IBM. So that's the only stock that you'll consider, and you just keep buying more and more of it, and you have a really highly concentrated position in IBM stock because it's in your neighborhood, and that's where you live. Nobody would ever tell you that that's the right way to buy stocks and to have a concentrated position, and by the way, things can happen even to the bluest of the blue chips. IBM is as blue chip a company as ever, and it is largely dragged behind all of the technology and the disruption and the innovation that's happening. And so while it's, you know, part of the uh, S&P 500, and so it continues to rally as people buy index stocks, and I don't follow IBM closely, so, you know, I'm just using an example. I know for years, decades even, it's been trailing some of its peers. But that's a ludicrous way to buy stock, right? Like, well, I don't know anything about the stock market, so I bought this company that's local to me, and then it worked well, so I just kept buying more of it. Right. And next thing you know, like, they have a bad quarter, they lose a CEO, there's some thing that happens, you know, in Silicon Valley, and IBM's out of business, and, you know, that's terrible. Right. So if that sounds ludicrous to you in the stock market, where you're maybe buying, you know, a thousand dollars worth or ten thousand dollars worth or a hundred thousand dollars worth of stock if that sounds terrible at a smaller fractional piece how can anybody justify taking the single largest investment they're making buying a whole home and putting a mortgage on it for 30 years and personally guaranteeing it why would you do it that way right when it's even more at stake and bigger risk and then there's also you know more things that can happen there's Uh, trees that fall and so on the stock markets completely passive and you wouldn't do it there right so all i'm saying is like why would you do it with your homes look i think that um... for the longest time and we've seen multiple examples of this People felt really comfortable. Let's say that they worked at IBM mm-hmm. and IBM was really generous and they gave them a pension. And oftentimes those pension were reinvested into the same company stock. And so they were like an owner of the company that they worked for. Mm-hmm. And that felt really great until things like Enron happened where it turned out to be a total fraud. And not only did they lose their job, they also lost all of their retirements and all of their savings and all of their pension. And then they had nothing. Right. Through no fault of their own. Right. What seemed like the best idea and the safest thing because they actually could like affect it and they knew everybody, they knew the leadership and they knew the opportunity, they knew the prospects, they knew everything there was to know, mm-hmm. seemed really great until it was the biggest nightmare they've ever imagined. Right. They woke up the very next day and it was went from great to god-awful. Right, And that's what happens, friends. Risk happens quickly. Mm -hmm. Right. Like you can't comprehend how quickly risk happens. When I was working uh, in finance, I'll never forget, in 2008, uh, after a record year in 2007 where everything was great, uh, 2008, suddenly everything was terrible. Mm -hmm. And when I discuss that risk happens quickly, we saw the trouble signs. We were aware of the trouble signs, but it's, it's too rapid to change you know, uh, changing a, a battleship takes a long time changing the direction. It's not a little speedboat, right? right. So if you have a house and it's worth 300000 or 400000 or maybe it's worth $2 million or 4000000 million, you're not getting out of that. That thing is liquid and you feel comfortable being liquid in a rising market where things stay on the market for seven days or there's multiple bids and so you think there's a lot of liquidity. But, I've been trying to sell something in New York City for three years in a declining market and I keep lowering the price and there's no liquidity and you just have to expect that gap down, right? So the time to think about risk is before it presents itself. Once it presents itself, Go ahead and try and get out of that three and four and five units in the same city if something bad happens in that city. Right. You think you're the only person running for the door? (laughs) Right. right? Like they just banned everything or there was just some terrible situation. You don't think everybody's knee jerk reaction is to like put their house on the market? Well, it is. And guess what happens when there's more houses coming on the market and more supply coming on at the same time? Mm -hmm. Then meets demand. Prices go lower. And then what happens? Well, p- things don't sell at the lower price, so they go lower still and lower still and lower still. And that's what happened in New York uh, for a variety of reasons, mostly political, in my opinion, with taxation. Don't get me started on that. <laughs> but, um, you know, in, in the second half of 2019, um, and these are big numbers, but, you know, I'm going to share them with you anyway. Uh, there was four transactions, I believe, in the 10000000 million-plus Category, which means that in the entire island of Manhattan, one of the wealthiest places in the world, there was only four buyers that met sellers where the price cleared. And basically, that is nothing. According to my broker, there's usually thousands of transactions over 10 million. So when I talk about risk happens quickly and things can come to a screeching halt, that's what happens. Now, I wish that I had, you know, Again, it was for personal family use, and so, like, it's a different investment. But I would feel very terribly if that was purely an investment. Right. And I would have much preferred to have had 10, say, smaller locations that are independent. Because the rest of the market, you know, Jackson Hole's doing really well. Certain parts of um, the southern region are doing really well. There's still tons of opportunity and tons of places where real estate's doing extraordinarily well. New York City is not one of them. San Francisco is not one of them. London is not one of them, right? So like the places that are traditional stores of value, that's where the, and, and at the really high end, that's where right. uh, a lot of the dislocation has been felt. So what worked in the past doesn't always work in the future. Right. And you guys should be aware of that and I want to share that with you and I don't do it to scare you. I do it to educate and and hopefully protect. Thank so it's you from a place so of love. Much.
0: Thank you so much. Cool. Well, yeah. I think
1: that that, you know, may beat the diversification horse f- dead for a short period of time. <laughs> I'm sure I'll be speaking about awesome it on the question. next video too though. Awesome
0: question. No, fantastic question, which I'm is really why glad it's so that incredible in and she asked. Yeah, I mean. that
1: our audience participates because Absolutely. I feel like I've covered diversification um all the time and I feel like I'm beating a dead horse and, you know, like I I feel like I've uh shared the importance of it but clearly either i haven't uh, done a thorough enough job or frequently enough or i need better examples or i just need to talk about it more and so if that's on nene's mind or any of our audience's mind i really appreciate them helping me to help them
0: right well and i think what's really great is that you have acknowledged that it is very natural for people to want to do what's already working you know of course it it feels safe, it feels right, it feels natural. Um, so the fact that uh and you know, how many times have you, you know, heard heard the same thing, you know, multiple times, but like the fifth time you hear it, it really sinks in? Or, you know, the illustration given, you know, gives it just enough colour where it's like, Oh, okay, I get it. So, um, but I think you you did an awesome job, you know, today, um, with really just uh giving examples and illuminating why um it's to people's benefit.
1: It completely to is. To and spread I think, their wings. You know, and I think that the um the the point that I made earlier about concentration risk. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. think everybody has probably heard that I, phrase. Right. You've never heard diversification risk. Right. Right? You it's hear actually concentration risk. Right risk right and um having two homes three homes four homes five homes 50 homes a thousand you know there's there's rental arbitrageurs out there that have hundreds and thousands of units and yeah they're diversified they're in six cities say Mm -hmm. but if they have hundreds of units in any one of those six cities Mm -hmm. let's just hope that the music doesn't stop
0: right right
1: but It will.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, again, thank you so much for your time and your knowledge. And um, yeah, it's always a pleasure.
1: It's our pleasure. It's my pleasure. It's always a pleasure to be with you and (laughs) Charles. All right, friends. Thank you so very much for joining us. I want to read the phone number in case you've made it all the way to the end here. Yes. You are the most likely person, a candidate, if you will, to call in and, and share with us your questions. So please call in. 212, Up, oh, sorry, 206-900-8189 with your questions. Again, just call and leave us a voicemail, 206-900-8189. Thank you very much. And if awesome. you're new to Airbnb, welcome. Thanks for joining us, and we will include a link for you to open up your very first airbnb or future airbnb accounts cool um, and that actually uh will give us a little bit of income so we appreciate it we'll reinvest and continue to grow you the audience the channel everybody so uh we appreciate your support and it's an easy way it doesn't cost anybody anything but airbnb is supportive of us getting more hosts on the platform and we would encourage that so thank you very much yeah All right, friends, that's a wrap.
0: So that does it for another episode of the STRU podcast.
1: As always, all links mentioned are in the show notes below. If you're serious about short-term rental investing, be sure to check out str.university. Till next time.